Amen. Appreciate that. I, I was telling Brother Jason last night that the uh, blessing to see his family, how, how much they've grown and, and how that, wow, just the, the, the talent that they have. And um, get this thing on there. What a blessing uh, that uh, there's some folks that uh, can pick and sing and just be a blessing. Uh, we uh, got a lot of friends here. I can't go through all of them. You all are, you know who you are. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. It's good to see my mom and dad here. I'm glad they're here. And uh, my, my, my wife's aunt and uncle, uh, Jim Walker and Miss Marion, 95 years old, Uncle Jim is. And uh, still, he's still, you can attest, Brother Stop can attest, he is, he is on fire for God still. Uh, just a just a tremendous blessing. He's uh, uh, they've been married. How many years have you been married now? He said 107 or something like that. They, they've been married. I don't I don't think Miss Marion's that old. <laughs> 71 years. What a what a wonderful thing. That's a uh, something to strive for. Amen. Uh, but um, we're glad to be here. Uh, we've. Um, Got a lot of fond memories of this meeting. We used to come quite a bit, and uh, and then we uh, moved up north a couple years ago, and we're pastoring up there in Boyne City. We um, we have a jubilee ourselves up there in the, the second uh, the week after Mother's Day. And if you ever want to travel that far north <laughs> uh, to Boyne City, you're welcome to come. It's a good time, and uh, we also have a uh, a harvest festival coming up at the end of October. And uh, we'll have some uh, good picking there. My dad and the boys will be there. And Andy Leftwich from, uh, from Tennessee. And uh, Pastor Bill Baker on the banjo. Uh, so it's going to be a good time. And uh, we'll have uh, Pastor Rick Sal preaching for us at the end of October. So uh, you're welcome to come up then. I know it's a long way, but uh, we get lots of visitors uh, in the Boyne area. So you're welcome to come and be part of it. Uh, Luke chapter 15. I want to read a couple of verses and uh, try. I, I really think Brother McBride ought to preach two messages uh, since he missed out last night. But uh, well, I'm looking forward to hearing him preach. He's one of my favorites. And uh, uh, Luke chapter 15, look at verse one. The Bible says, "Then drew near unto him, that him is our Savior. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured." saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your grace. Uh, Lord, as a song that was just sung, and Lord, you put us sometimes through the fire. We thank you for that, Lord. Sometimes we don't thank you for it when we're going through it. But Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your mercy and how you mold us. And uh, Lord, we ask you, Lord, now to be with, uh, Lord, the preaching of your word. God, that you would get the glory. Lord, that we would see, Lord, uh, just what kind of folks, Lord, you receive. And, Lord, how it's done and what happens when it's done. God, I thank you for saving me. Lord, I'm just a dirt ball. And, Lord, you saw fit to let your son die for my sins. I can't thank you enough. And, God, I thank you, Lord, for our friends here that are uh, joined with us and under this tent. And, God, I pray that you'd... Bless their hearts. I pray that you'd speak to them through the words of God. Speak the things that I can't speak. 
God, we'll give you all the praise because you're worthy in Christ's name. Amen. Luke chapter 15 and verse 1, the Bible says again, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners. It's amazing that when Jesus Christ came around, sinners were drawn to him. Sometimes some of us, when we come around, sinners run the other way. Jesus Christ was a magnet to folks that needed help. And he showed, uh, showed that he loved them, and, and even though he was uh, perfect, he was, I mean, if anybody had the right to uh, get up and condemn them for their sins, it was him. And he was perfect, but they drew near to him anyway. Even though he was holy, even though he, he was uh, the sinless son of God, they drew near to him. But then in the second verse, we see that the Pharisees saw this and uh, they got upset and they said, uh, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Now that wasn't, a, that wasn't a compliment. That wasn't something that they were saying to, you know, they didn't say it with a smile on their face. They were upset that he received sinners and ate with them. Aren't you glad he received sinners? Aren't you glad one day he received you? Uh, aren't you glad that, uh, that he didn't look at uh, where uh, you came from or what your, your prospects were? He just decided that if you were willing to come to him, he'd receive you. Amen. And if you're here tonight and you're saved, you know that he receives sinners. If you're not saved, let me tell you, you're a sinner. <laughs> the Bible says all sin that comes short of the glory of God, but Jesus Christ will receive you. He'll not, he, he'll not receive a self-righteous Pharisee. Uh, matter of fact, uh, the, the, the folks that he had the, the problem with the most in, in the scriptures when we read the Gospels was the Pharisees. If you turn over one chapter in chap Luke chapter 16, the Bible says in verse 14, And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. When, when the Pharisees came around, it uh, didn't matter what they looked like, didn't matter what they, uh, what they accomplished, Jesus Christ, uh, they were an abomination in his sight. In the, in the very next, in the chapter 18, actually not the next chapter, chapter 18, Luke, in the book of Luke, look at verse 9. We see another account, Luke, Luke chapter 18, verse 9, I'm sorry, verse 9. And he spake this parable unto, uh, unto, the, unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a, a Pharisee and the other a publican. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, that's because he thought he himself was equal to God. He said, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican, as he's looking down at this man, he begins to list the things that he does. I fast twice in the week. Fasting is, is good. It's a good thing to do. Most of us probably don't do it twice in the week. Probably should. Fasting is a good thing. He says, I give tithes of all that I possess. You ought to tithe. At the, at the minimum, you ought to tithe. I mean, that's kindergarten stuff. That's stuff when you, when you enter into, you know, into Sunday school, they teach you that when you're a little kid, you ought to tithe. But don't get proud of it when you tithe. 
He says, I tithe of all, I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. The other one that did all the right things didn't go down to his house justified. He didn't condemn him. For, as a matter of fact, he told his disciples, do what the Pharisees tell you to do. He never told the disciples, don't listen to what they're saying. Don't, don't listen to what they're preaching. He never told the disciples uh, to, uh, to ignore what the Pharisees taught and preached. But he said, don't do like they do, because they do it on the outward side only, to be seen of men. If what you do for the Lord, if every, anything you do for the Lord is to be seen of men, as Brother Kendrick preached last night, when it gets to the judgment seat of Christ, it is going to be burned up. I don't care how good it was. I don't care how righteous it was, how holy it was. When it gets to the judgment seat of Christ, it's going to be burnt to ashes. If you did it, to be seen of men. Now, we can't see your heart. Only God can. So whatever you do, he says, do all to the glory of God. Jesus Christ never received a self-righteous Pharisee. In Luke chapter 5, turn back there, we're going to be there in a minute, but Luke chapter 5. The Bible says in verse 30, But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering them, said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So if you're going to get saved, if you're going to come to Christ, you've got to first realize that you are a sinner. And the only kind of person Jesus Christ will receive is a sinner. You know why many, uh, many well-to-do and many folks that, uh, especially up in my area where, I mean, there's a lot of rich folks up there. I, they, none of them come to my church, but, but there's a lot of them up there. You know why it's so hard to, uh, to witness uh, to, a, to a rich person? Because they don't need anything, they think. Folks that, folks that have everything going for them, uh, you know why it's so easy to, to, to win uh, some of the bus kids and folks that are in the uh, you know, down and outers uh, to Christ? Because they know they don't have anything. That's, 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 a, that's a big problem. But with that being said, with that, all that being said, when Jesus, I'm afraid that sometimes, you know, it's, it's amazing how some uh, lost people, and even some carnal saved people know some Bible. They know all the verses that they like to the exclusion of everything else. I mean, you can find a drunk uh, in, a, in a rescue mission or on the street, a wino, and I guarantee you he is going to know the verse that says, that talks about how Jesus made wine, turn water into wine. I mean, they know those verses, right? Uh, and you can find a Christian that that's, has a desire to, you know, uh, hit the sauce every once in a while, social drink, you know, with his friends, you know, to, to win them to Christ. They know the verse that Paul told Timothy, take a little wine for thy stomach's sake and for thine often infirmities. And they forget the verses where, where Paul said, and where, or where, in, the, in the Psalms and in the Proverbs, where he warns us over and over again about wine and strong drink. 
and what it does. Uh, Paul, uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of medicines in those days. There's plenty of medicines around now that do, do the same thing. We took some last night for this cold. <coughs> and, um, but it's amazing how uh, lost people and carnal people will, will, will quote scripture to you. And we just in Bob Evans uh, Sunday. And uh, when up, we was, while we were waiting to be seated, there was a, a man that uh, we got to talking to. And the conversation eventually got to uh, his salvation. I asked him if he knew the Lord, if he was saved. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm saved. I said, oh, really? And there's a few churches, good churches in the area. I said, well, where do you go to church? He goes, oh, I don't go to church. I said, oh, you're, you're, you're saved, but you don't go to church. And he said, uh, yeah, no, I don't go to church, you know. Uh, I'm just, uh, you know, I, I'm not into all that. And, and uh, I said, well, that's, that's interesting. I said, um, tell me something. Uh, you know, what, what makes you, you know, why, why, why don't, if you're saved, why, what makes you think that you don't need to be in church? And he said, well, you know, the Bible says that Jesus <laughs> receives sinners and eats with them. So, I mean, I figured he saved me just like I was, and he just wants me to, you know, he's just comfortable with how I am. So he knew this verse, our text verse tonight, that Jesus receives sinners and eats with them. And I'm afraid, as true as that is, and as thankful to God I am that he does, I'm afraid that some people take certain portions of the Bible and, and pick them out because they make them feel okay to the exclusion of everything else. And so just for a little while tonight, I want to preach on what happens to a sinner when Jesus receives them. When Jesus receives sinners, there's a few things that happen that need to take place, and they do take place. And I know there's people out there that are saved and, and, and love God, and you know, have gotten saved. At some point in their life, they love God. They, they had a desire to want to uh, uh, do the things that God asked them to do in the scriptures, and then somewhere along the line, they get out. And I know there's people saved that are out there that are not in church that are saved. But I want to tell you, when Jesus receives sinners, number one, there's conviction. In Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, and we got this idea today and, and, uh, th that you know, we can bring a bunch of uh, people, kids into church and we dangle a, a candy bar uh, in front of them and we get them excited about, and, and I'm okay, okay with doing that. But if we never let them realize at some point that they're sinners and, they need, they, and the Holy Spirit of God doesn't convict them of their sin, I don't care how many prayers they say, they can't get saved until they understand that they're a sinner. I mean, we do all kinds of things to try to pad our numbers for, you know, to, you know, to impress the brethren about how many souls we win. But, but if people never get under conviction, they're not saved. Now listen, I'm not here to try to make you doubt your salvation. I, if you're saved, if you've uh, ever realized you was a sinner and you trusted Christ to save you, then you're saved. But if you, if you think you grew up into this thing and you just got saved because you came to church and somebody invited you up to an altar and you uh, repeated some prayer and it had nothing to do with you and God and it, there was no connection there, then, then I'm telling you, you didn't get it. You have to know personally that you're a sinner. I told the testimony last week of my sister at camp. We went to teen camp last week. Some of them kids was here last night. Even I think there's some more back there that was here that was at camp. I mean, they're, they're ate up with this stuff, preaching stuff. They like, they like going to church. And uh, I was, we was there at camp last week, Camp Fort Faith over there in Morley, Michigan, good camp. And uh, we was preaching, and I was telling the story about my sister that had a similar testimony. She went, we went to camp when we was little, and uh, the, her whole cabin was sitting together, her whole camp or team or whatever it was, 
And, uh, you know, they, they said uh, it t- invitation time came. And they said, you all, if anybody wants to go to heaven, come up to the altar. So her whole cabin got up and went to the altar. Who doesn't want to go to heaven? But what they failed to tell her was that she is a sinner. And the reason why she needed to get saved because she was lost and without God and had sinned against him. And she came up and knelt with everybody else and went back to her seat. And she was saved. And it wasn't until years later she realized that she needed to understand that she was a sinner first before you can get saved. you got to be lost before you can be found. But when Jesus Christ receives sinners, he does. Thank God he does. But when he receives sinners, there's conviction. In Luke chapter 5 here, the Bible says in verse 1, It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, you can get the picture. Uh, I mean, Jesus Christ is going along the shore, and he, he gets in this, this, this fisherman's boat, this commercial fisherman's boat, and he says, go out a little bit from the land, and then I want to preach from your ship. Peter's probably, oh, okay, what's this? What's this all about? Now, when he had left speaking, verse 4, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. Peter and these guys, they were professional. They knew how to fish. This was their livelihood. And here comes this, this, this Galilean uh, carpenter. I mean, I don't know if he knew he was a carpenter at this point or not. But here comes this carpenter and gets into his ship. Now, if you, uh, you know, if, whatever vocation you have, I mean, if you're a doctor or if you're a, a plumber or if you're an electrician, and, uh, and, and, and some used car salesman comes and tells you how to do your job, you're probably going to look at him a little cross-eyed. Well, the Lord gets in Peter's ship, and he tells him to how to fish. The Bible says here, And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night. And we had our game finders on, and we couldn't find any fish. We have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had, done, uh, had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. So when this, this carpenter steps on this guy's boat and tells him where to go put this net, and, and it happens, and he gets his fish... Peter looks at this man and says, this is more than a carpenter. There's something about this man that's, 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 that's he's, he's a little more than just a carpenter from Galilee. Look at verse 8. I'm talking about when Jesus receives sinners. You know, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. But when he receives sinners, this is what happens. In verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, For I am a sinful man, O Lord. When Jesus Christ came into the presence of sinners, they didn't come, you know, uh, as some folks do, you know, blowing bubbles and and skipping to the altar. No, they came and he, he fell on his face before Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm a sinful man. He wasn't worthy to be in his presence. And he knew that there was something different about this man. 
When Jesus Christ receives sinners, there's conviction. Listen, if, if, if you've uh, uh, you know, been involved in, in, in the ministry and, and you've been in services and, and the whole, it seems like the Holy Spirit of God's not moving and, 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 and we, sometimes we try, to, we try to press too much and we want results so bad that it doesn't matter if God's moving or not. And sometimes we, 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 we get somebody, whether it's personal soul winning, uh, whether it's uh, you know, doing a, a, a campaign of some sort, and, 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 and you, you tell someone about the gospel, and they, they're just not getting it that they're a sinner that needs what you have. Sometimes, we'll, we'll, if we're not careful, we'll make them say a prayer. We'll, we'll make them say something, and they'll do it to get us out of their hair. Listen, if there's no conviction of the Holy Spirit, you need to be sensitive to that. If there's no conviction, these folks aren't getting in. I don't care how many times they pray and to please you. I don't care how many times they come to church. They need, there needs to be some conviction. They need to realize that they've sinned against a holy and righteous God before they can get saved. When Jesus Christ, he does receive sinners. But listen, these folks, when they came around, they didn't come around and, you know, saying, uh, you know, Jesus is just all right with me and, and with their arm around them and with their, you know, their, their liquor and their, their drugs and their, and their pride. No, when they came around Jesus Christ, they got humble real fast, just like Peter did here. When Jesus receives sinners, there's conviction. They're not comfortable in their sin. They're not comfortable in the condition that they're in. They used to tell it, when you read stories about the old-time revivals, when Jonathan Edwards preached and these old-time uh, revivalists got up to preach and, and great movements of God happened, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't that you know, a bunch of folks just gathered around the altar and, and he said, repeat after me. And you No, know, these folks, they, the, uh, or the, the, the history tells us that these folks would be clinging to the, the, to the tent poles. They'd be falling out in the aisle crying and begging God to save them from hell because they knew they were sinners. If we're going to see revival, I hope we do. I, this week, uh, we're going to go help Pastor jo uh, or Evangelist Brother Jeff Jones uh, in a, in a uh, tent campaign out in Cadillac. And I hope to God that sinners come and get saved. But if they're going to get saved, there's going to need to be some conviction. When Jesus receives sinners, there's conviction. Romans 5, verse 20 says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. When you go to witness to somebody, you better take the law with you. Listen, I know they're not saved but by the grace of God, but they got to see the law first. They got to be condemned, and that's what the law does. It condemns them. I'm afraid too often we can tell folks. I, I talked to a man the other day, and uh, I said, Sir, are you saved? He, he said, Yeah. I said, Well, tell me about it. He said, Well, I joined the church uh, so many years ago. I said, Well, that's nice. Tell me about when you got saved. I said, How do you know you're saved? He says, well, I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross and he was risen and, and uh, rose again the third day. I said, okay. I said, you're missing something. He said, what am I? He said, what, I'm missing something. What, isn't that the gospel? What am I missing? Well, the Bible says, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, that the gospel is that Christ died. How that he died? Not just that he died, but how that he died for what? Our sins. I'm afraid there's a lot of people out there that know that Jesus Christ died. Before I got saved, I knew that he died on the cross. I knew that he rose again the third day. I heard it when I was in Sunday school. But it wasn't until I realized it was for my sins that he died that I got saved. When Jesus Christ receives sinners, he does. Thank God he does. There's conviction. 
Conviction occurs when we see God for who He really is. When we see Jesus Christ for who He really is, a holy, just, and righteous judge. And in turn, we see ourselves for who we really are. Wicked, vile, unholy sinners. That's when business can pick up. Paul said in Romans 7 verse 24, and he said this as a saved man, O wretched man that I what? Am. O wretched man that I am. When Jesus receives sinners, there's conviction. Listen, I get under conviction still and I'm saved. When I get in this book and, I, and, and, and if I'm you know, living after the flesh and I'm uh, not reading up on my Bible and I'm, and I'm just uh, you know, full of myself, when I get in this book, I get under conviction. When I sit under the preaching of the Word of God and I'm full of myself, I get under conviction. Why? Because this flesh is, is rearing itself up and it gets control, takes control over our life. We should get under conviction. When Jesus receives sinners, and He will, but there's got to be conviction. Number two, thank God when Jesus receives sinners, not only is there conviction, but there's compassion. Thank God for compassion. Look at Mark chapter 1. When Jesus receives sinners, there's compassion. I, uh, sometimes I think fo more folks would get saved if we would go out and not only show them the law and, and, and how they're condemned, but show them some compassion. Lord have mercy. These folks, they, uh, some folks, and many folks, uh, when you approach them, they already, they're, you know, if you, especially if you go down into the inner city where Brother Hicks goes or uh, you go to some uh, places where people understand who they are and they're just, they just don't know the answer. It's, it's good to have some compassion. One thing about Jesus Christ, when he came around, not only was he holy, not only was he righteous and perfect, and, and, and he received sinners, and there was conviction, but he showed them compassion. We can, we can show them all day long about the law, but if there's no compassion for what condition they're in, they're never going to get saved. Look at Mark chapter 1. Look at verse 40. These are just some examples I got to thinking about, well, Jesus does receive sinners, and what, kind of, what happens when he receives them? And just go, you can go through your Bible. There's all kinds of examples. These are just a few that we're looking at. Here in verse 40, it says, And there came a leper to him. You know what leprosy is a type of? Type of sin. That's where we're all at in our sin. Without Jesus Christ, we're lepers. We've we got putrefying sores, wicked and vile. Well, that's what this man was. He, was. he was a leper, not only spiritually, but physically. There came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Jesus, the Bible says, was moved with compassion. Isn't it something that we can, you know, God that created the universe, God that created all the, uh, the, the, the stars and the, and the mountains and, the, and, the, and the all, everything that we can see, uh, the, the God that was powerful enough to create the universe, we can move him? The Bible says he was moved with compassion on this man because this man knew that he was sick. He knew that he was diseased. He knew that he needed something that Jesus had. And he said, Jesus, if you will, I know you can make me clean. You want, to, you, want, you want to get the attention of Jesus Christ? You want to get the attention of God Almighty? Then you just come to Him understanding that you're a sinner, understanding that you have nothing to offer Him, understanding that you have nothing that you can give Him to merit your salvation, and you will move the God that made heaven and earth. He was moved with compassion. 
When Jesus receives sinners, there's compassion. Compassion, listen, it's not simply just a, you know, a bleeding heart liberal, all right? I know there's a lot of bleeding heart liberals out there that think they have compassion. They don't. Uh, compassion is not simply being just a, you know, a bleeding heart that tries to make everyone feel good about themselves. What, what, what that kind of pe- person does is, is not compassion, that's pacification. They want to make people feel good in their condition. Make people feel good about who they are in their sin. That is not compassion. Compassion is when you, you go by a house that's burning, and you see uh, women and children and men and women and children, they're burning, and you, and you do something to try to save them. I mean, you can go by a house and say, oh, don't worry about it. I mean, you're doing okay. You'll be all right. No, that's not compassion. Compassion is going in and getting them. When Jesus receives sinners, there's compassion. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, the Bible says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank God for his compassion. One, the, one day he had compassion on you, and you cried out to him and he saved you. Stories told about during the early days when slavery was still in effect, that there was a, a, an auction going on and, and a, real, a strapping young man got up and they were bidding on him. And, and finally the, bid, uh, the bids went to a, a, a man from England. And this was here in America, but the, this man was over here from England and, and he, he won the bid. And, and when, when the gavel struck and, and they said that this Englishman won the bid, the slave began to laugh. He laughed at him. He said, uh, you, you bought a slave when slavery has been abolished in England. You know, the joke's on you, bud. And he goes, wait, wait a second. I didn't buy you to make you my slave. I bought you to make you free. That slave bowed on his knees before that man. He said, then I will be your willing slave forever. Why? Because the man had compassion. He was over here at a time when slavery was in effect, and he knew that this man could have been bought and been a, and been a servant, been a slave to somebody, and so he decided to spend his money on him to set him free forever. Listen, Jesus Christ did that for you and I. When Jesus received sinners, there's compassion. I like that verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that sin might abound. You've got to take the law. They've got to know they're condemned. But where sin abounded, you, you, can, you can follow up with the law with this. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Amen. Grace, grace will, uh, will, will, will give you the compassion you need to go and win the loss to Christ. They need compassion. When Jesus receives sinners, not only is there conviction, not only is there compassion, but turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Verse 1, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. Thank God he can save rich people too. Amen. And he sought to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him 
for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Zacchaeus came he, and, and Christ presented himself to him. Zacchaeus knew that he was a sinner, even though he was a rich man. And he realized that he, was, uh, he needed something that Jesus Christ had. And he received him joyfully. Zacchaeus got saved. He received Christ. But look what it says. And when they saw it, they all murmured. There they are again, those Pharisees. Saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. God help us. I mean, we, we wouldn't dare go into somebody's house and, uh, to try to win them to Christ to, and, and, and be a friend to them. Now, listen, I know you've got to do it wisely. I mean, you better take somebody with you. <laughs> you know, you've got to be careful. You can't, you can't do something foolishly. But we ought to, we're not going to win folks if we don't reach out to them and, go, and be willing to go into where they're at. Jesus Christ went into his house, and these folks murmured, that he's gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. But look what it says. We know Jesus Christ received sinners. He received Zacchaeus, and he was a rich sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. When Jesus receives sinners, not only is there conviction, not only is there compassion, but there's conversion. There's a conversion that takes place. Christ changes the heart of a sinner. He changes the man. He changes the woman, the boy, the girl. He changes their heart. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we all know very well, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That is a fact of Scripture. If you got saved, you are a new creature. Now, I know everybody doesn't grow the same rate. Everybody doesn't, uh, it's, uh, you know, it has different levels of growth and depending on where they come from. But listen, if you're saved, there's a new creature inside. And when Jesus Christ receives sinners, thank God he does. But when he does, some things happen. There's conversion in their heart. A.W. Tozer said this, and I've, uh, I've recorded this because this is one of the greatest uh, things I've read from Tozer. But he said, the truth received in power shifts the basis of life from Adam to Christ. And a new set of motives go to work within the soul. A new and different spirit enters the personality and makes the believing man new in every department of his being. His interests shift, Brother Kendrick, from things external to things eternal. From things on earth, like we heard last night, to things in heaven. He loses faith in the soundness of external values. He sees clearly the deceptiveness of outward appearances, Pharisees. In other words, they had it all on the outside, but had no change on the inside. His love for and confidence in the unseen and eternal world becomes stronger as his experience widens. Paul said, that's why Paul admonished us as Christians, 
Set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. Listen, you can enjoy things on the earth, and we do, thank God. But if our affections are set here, if, there, if, there's, if, if you never have any glimpse of eternal things, if you never have a desire for eternal things, if there was never a time in your life when you, when you were changed and, and, and something in you began to, to, to desire spiritual things, then you need to check yourself out. Because a saved man is a new man. A saved man is a new creature in Christ Jesus. When Jesus Christ receives sinners, he does, thank God, there's conversion. Now, I, there, there's, I know that, and it was preached last night, and I thought, or uh, maybe it was, this is at camp, I was thinking of something I heard, but uh, uh, listen, when you get saved, if you, if you sow to the flesh, if you, if you constantly feed the flesh, eventually you are going to live, walk, and talk just like any lost person can talk and live and walk. But how many people do we know that, that came to church and got saved and then we never saw them again? Never, they never had a desire to read their Bible. They never had a desire to, 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 to congregate with God's people. And they say they're saved. You say, well, how do, you, do you think they're not saved? I don't know. Only God knows. But I do know that when God receives a sinner, there's conversion. Something happens in their heart. Something changes in their life. And they have desire for things that God wants them to have. We, 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 when we do, when you do personal work, you, you often quote Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works. Nothing that we can ever do can earn what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Lest any man should boast. But we always forget about verse 10. The Bible says, for we are created, we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto what? Unto what? Good works. Listen, when you get saved, when God moves in, he's good. He wants to do nothing but good. He loves good. He is good. And when he moves in and he begins to work in your heart and change you, he's created you to do good works. Paul said that we ought to be careful to what? Maintain good works. That's up to us. We got to maintain it. If you don't maintain it, you're going to be out there floundering around in the world, flopping around like a fish on, the, on land and not doing anything for God. And you're going to heaven, you'll get there, but you're going to have a miserable existence until you do. When Jesus Christ receives sinners, there's conversion. And then when Jesus Christ receives sinners, number four, there's consecration. Turn to John chapter 8. I'll be done real quick. John chapter 8. I feel I'm losing you. John chapter 8. John chapter 8, look at verse, verse 1. For sake of time, we'll, we'll skip down. This is the account where these, uh, a bunch of men caught this woman in, in adultery. They caught her, the Bible says there in verse 4, in the very act. 
I mean, this was, I mean, this, if adultery, if you, we'd all agree, if you're saved, you got any spirit about you, adultery is a wicked sin. They caught her in the very act, they bring her to Christ, and you know the story, he stoops down, he writes in the sand, and I, I just, I love to speculate what he wrote. I'm not going to go into that tonight, but I just, I just like, I just, sometimes I'll just make my own, you know, throw it in there, what he wrote. But listen, the Bible says in verse 9, and they, uh, and they which heard it, when he's, uh, verse 7, let's, let's go back up to verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down, he wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman... He said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Uh, thank God Jesus Christ received sinners. He didn't, he, uh, he said, that Neither do I condemn thee in the next verse. Thank God he does receive sinners. But he didn't leave it off at that. He gave her a commission, he gave her a command. Look what he said Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. He didn't tell her, I don't condemn you. I mean, I know you're a sinner, and you just do what comes naturally to sinners. You know, I'll overlook it. No, he said, I don't condemn you. I, I receive sinners. And that's what I'm known for. That's what I'm, that's what I'm famous for is receiving sinners. Matter of fact, the Pharisees hate it. But I'll receive you. Listen, but I don't want you to go back and continue doing what you was doing. I'll give you help. I'll help you not to continue doing what you was doing. You know, I don't like what you did. I don't like you doing what you were doing. So I tell you what, I won't condemn you. I could. I could be the first one to take a rock and, 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 and begin to stone you because I'm without sin. I could be the first one to, to begin stoning you, but I'm not going to condemn you. But I want you to go back and change what you're doing. Go and sin no more. When Jesus Christ receives sinners, he does. Thank God he does. But when he does, there's consecration. He wants us to live a separated life. He wants us to get rid of things in our life that displease him. And you know what the best part about it is? He moves in. And he can be the one to clean, up, clean house. But we have to be willing to let him. If we're not willing to let him, he's a gentleman. He won't force us to do anything we don't want to do. Because, he, he, because he's converted us and given us the power to be saved, he's given us the power to live a consecrated life. Uh, we're not going to go there tonight for the sake of time, but Romans chapter 6, you read Romans chapter 6, and he's given us the power to have victory over sin in our life. You know why he could tell that woman to go back and sin no more? Because he, real, he, he knew that he had the power to give her victory over what she was used to doing. And if she would just trust him, she could get victory over it. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Thank God it did. Thank God for the day that grace came by my way. It hath appeared to all men, but grace does something, that verse 12, that we often forget about. Teaching us that denying ungodliness. Denying is something that you have to do. As Brother Kendrick preached about last night, denying yourself denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, 
we should what? Live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Our standing is fixed in heaven, but our walk in this present world is something different. And when Jesus Christ receives sinners, there is consecration. He wants us to live a separated life, as Brother Kendrick preached last night. There's consecration. Martin Luther, uh, the great reformer, well, he would kill most of us probably, but he did say a few good things. He said we ought to live as though Christ died yesterday, arose this morning, and is coming back again tomorrow. I mean, if we could, if we could focus on what Christ did in our life and, be, and have it ever in our forefront of our face, we would live differently as Christians. And last of all, we're not going to turn there, but you know the story in Mark chapter 5, the, the maniac, of, maniac of Gadara. When Jesus Christ received sinners, he received that man. He, the Bible says that after he uh, was cutting himself and, and uh, just destroying his life, and when Christ came around and Christ uh, changed his life, he was sitting and clothed and in his right mind. But the story goes on to say that that young, that young man, after he, Christ changed his life, he wanted to spend the rest of his life with him. I mean, that's, if, if Christ came and he was here physically and he uh, changed our life and he was getting ready to leave, we would all want to follow him, go with, and be with him, right? I mean, all of us that are saved, we want to go to heaven. Even so, come Lord Jesus. But when he saved us, he didn't take us to heaven. He told that man, he said, no, you can't go with me. He said, but I need you to do something. I need you to go back and tell your friends and family what great things Christ hath done for thee. When Jesus Christ receives sinners, there's, there's conviction, there's compassion, there's conversion, there's consecration, but there is a commission. We are to go. After we grow, we ought to, we ought to go. and do, we need to, uh, Listen, if you get somebody, somebody saved, you need to set them down in the church. Don't put them in a Sunday school class to try to teach somebody. They need to grow for a little while. Amen. They need to find out who they are in Christ. They need to realize what they have in Christ. Uh, I mean, they can do personal work. That's, you know, that's understandable. You know, tell, try to tell them to tell somebody else about Jesus Christ, how they grow. But once we grow a little bit, we need to take what we have and do so. Everybody's not called to be a, an evangelist. Everybody's not called to be a, a pastor. Everybody's not called to be a missionary. But we're all called to be ambassadors for Christ. Every one of us have a job to do. And the only thing that we are left here, the only reason we're left here is to do this job. All of everything else is extracurricular activities. Our vocation, that's to get us uh, uh, food and nourishment while we're down here so we can do this job, and that's to be an ambassador for Christ. When Jesus Christ receives sinners, he does, but there's a whole lot of things that happen to a sinner when he receives them. Right. And he wants you to go and tell somebody else about him. Right. There's a commission. Are you fulfilling the commission? George Whitfield, uh, the, the great revivalist, said his, one of his prayers was, Oh, Lord, give me souls or take my soul. There's a story about Heinz, and I'm going to close with this, the, you know, the Heinz ketchup. <laughs> Praise God for Heinz. 57 sauce. How, how many like the 57 sauce? Amen. The, they tell us that uh, he became a great soul winner after a preacher once asked him, you're a Christian man, then why aren't you up and at it? After getting angry, naturally, that's what most of us do when we get preached at and our toes stepped on, he, he got angry, then he began to think about it. 
He wasn't able to sleep, so he went to work the very next day in, in, in the business he was involved in. And he sat around this table at a board meeting, and, and, and he be, leaned over and began to tell the man next to him about Jesus Christ. And the man said, well, I, I wondered, he said, that if you were a Christian, I know you're a Christian, but I wonder why you never spoke about it. And he led that man to Christ after that. And that was the first of hundreds that Heinz, when you put it on your hot dog, you can remember this, that he became a soul winner after he realized that he had a commission. Sure, he's a businessman. Sure, he, had, he you know, made millions. It doesn't matter what, where you're at, what, what vocation you're involved in, we are all, if you're saved, you're born again, we're all to be ambassadors for Christ. Thank God Jesus Christ receives sinners. But when he does, things happen. Preacher. Preacher.